What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Now available at Dundrum Town Center. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. You're listening to Irish Sports Talk. Hello, Nordic fans. Welcome to Average Sports Talk. This is episode 477, and it's game week. Michigan Finally. coming up, and it's exciting. Can't believe it's here. Anyway, Randall's here as well, and we're going to talk Notre Dame's matchup with Michigan, our thoughts on how it's going to go, our prediction as well. Um, and I guess before we get to that, is there anything else, Randall, to to get out of the way before we talk Notre Dame and Michigan? Um, just some, you know, things about the Michigan game, uh, just some random facts. Uh, in South Bend, there is a Michigan Avenue. And uh, for this week, the mayor and uh, a couple other people are out there, and they switch the signs, and it is Fighting Irish Drive for this week. So they're trying to get rid of all of the Michigan. Uh, it's fun to see them do stuff like that just because – um, they're planning a flyover for the game, um, which is always exciting, which we can usually, they'll be practicing the flyover on Thursday and, uh, they usually fly over Napanee. You can see them when they practice because they're turning around over Napanee, even though we're a half hour away. Um, so that's something fun to see. Uh, there'll be four Air Force F-15E strike eagles. So if you know what plane, what uh, if you're up to date on the different planes and fighter jets, that's what you got. Um, and they did announce the new radio football crew for Notre Dame: uh, Paul Burmeister, Jack Nolan, and former Notre Dame player Ryan Harris. So Ryan Harris has been involved in some of the radio stuff. Well, he was he was on the post game show. I don't. I think it was last was year. The blue Maybe Go- no. I, was it the Blue Gold game? Oh, I'm thinking. I'm not sure about the Blue and Gold game, but he was on a, the post-game show uh, either last year or maybe it was the year before. And really, you know, it was good to hear. Uh, I thought he was intelligent. It was, it was interesting to listen to him. And Jack Nolan, obviously, if you follow Notre Dame sports, you know who Jack Nolan is or have heard his voice calling basketball games, and he does the post-game show, except last year he didn't. But I think he will be this year. But then Paul Burmeister, he's done the Blue Goal game, and I believe he did one game last year as well. But 
new voices. Um, it's going to be a little bit different. I don't listen to the games on the radio anymore, but that's something. Whenever I did just snatches of it, it re- it took me back to my teenage years. Um, it usually out on a tractor with farming for my grandpa and listening to the football game on the radio, talking about Brady Quinn. And just even now when I turn on the radio for a little bit and hearing those voices of Pinkett and the other guys, that just goes back to those days. But um, I, can't imagine, are, I can't imagine okay. listening to the radio now. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't just listen to it. I need to be watching the game. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, so it'll be uh, congrats to them. And uh, it is Paul Burmeister has done more TV, so he said it's a little bit of a switch for him to go to radio because I've always thought that would be a challenge to call a game and basically bring it to life for the people listening. So you got to be pretty quick and uh, know what's going on. So, um, but other than that, all the talk has been about Notre Dame and Michigan, and it's finally game week. All right. Of course, we do have Main Street Roasters sponsoring the podcast again this year. Main Street Roasters is a local coffee shop and roastery here in Napanee, Indiana, and I think they make the best coffee. Um, And you can try it out for yourself, or you can win some too. You can win some by predicting this. If you win the score prediction contest every week on Twitter, Randall tweets out or one of us tweets out uh, asking for your score predictions, and whoever is closest to the final score will receive one pound of free coffee shipping anywhere in the continental United States. And this year, I think we're also going to be including an Irish Sports Talk mug. So just watch Twitter for that and tweet out your score prediction. And if there is a tie as far as two people with the same score, then we'll go with the first person who left that score prediction. (sighs) The matchup. Randall, this whole season, I've been predicting Notre Dame to, to win a lot of games to win 10 games, 10-plus games. And the reason is because they should be favored, or they I was saying they will be favored in every game. And my confidence in that thought was was shattered when the opening lines came out and Michigan was favored by one-and-a-half points. That has changed now, and Notre Dame is favored by one point. And I definitely don't have a ton of confidence going into this game. Uh, I think Notre Dame can win. But my confidence level is not nearly as high as it was a few months ago. Is that because of the the hype around Michigan or just your confidence in Notre Dame? It's more about Notre Dame. I my, my Michigan is as good, appears to be as good now as I thought they were three months ago. Yeah. Middle of summer, they're as good now as I thought they were back then. No, Notre Dame is where I'm a little... A little concerned and it's probably not where you think it's not with the quarterback position it's with it's with the wide receivers and we'll, we'll get into a little bit more than later wow well <laughs> we'll definitely need to get into that <laughs> i will say uh i'm working on uh setting up a, a preview with uh, some podcast michigan podcasters and uh i've been listening to some michigan podcasts as well just kind of see what hear their side of the story you could say and i will say they're very confident um they think this is a championship year they have a 
first round draft pick quarterback on the team finally and uh the best defense in the country and they they are rolling um so they are feeling very confident let's put it that way um so we go through we remember on twitter we or not on twitter on instagram we put out those polls let's do that because some of that will also tie into the game a little bit but i do want to get that before we really really get into talking about michigan notre dame yeah, check out our Instagram. I've started on our stories. I've started or in the last week I've been doing some poll questions just for fun, you know. Um often it's just between two players who will have the most tackles, the most yards. It's not the most on the team necessarily, just between those two players or just different things. If you have ideas on a question, um let us know and uh we'll get it we'll post that and uh go from there. Okay, so looking at some of those polls, and it's just a few to get through, but question was, who's going to have the most catches, Boykin or Claypool? And it was, for, uh, I, don't, I guess I don't have the percentage here, but it was 40 for Boykin, 52 for Claypool. And I'm definitely in the, the Claypool camp on that. I don't know which I, one you're on. <laughs> and I don't, even, I, don't even, I don't even have that much confidence in Claypool. I'm just low in general Man. on the wide receiver group. So Most ho- people are more concerned about getting the ball to the wide receivers. They aren't even concerned about whether they can catch it or not. All right, who will have more receiving yards, Chris Fink or Michael Young? 52% with Chris Fink, 48% with Michael Young. I'm in the minority here. I would have to go with Michael Young on this one. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say I, I went with Chris Fink. Michael Young, maybe if he'd have been... 100% healthy through fall camp, but Chris Fink has definitely taken a step forward and kind of put himself in front of Young. So in order for Young to get out, he could, right maybe now. halfway through the season, he could, but I'm going to say that um, Fink finally has a good year and is going to outdo Young. Brian Kelly in his press conference earlier earlier today was asked kind of who is in that wide receiver rotation, and he mentioned freshman um, Kevin Austin, Kevin Austin, but also Michael Young in that rotation, and I do think by the end of the season, Michael Young will have more receiving yards than Chris Fink. All right, the next question was, if I can pull it up. Well, my uh, inter- the w- internet just froze up. Oh. Too bad we don't know and. Uh, IT guy around here that could figure out what's wrong with the internet. Well, basically, who will have the most uh, the most sacks this season? Dalen Hayes or, or Julian Acora? Uh, Julian yeah. This is kind of a tough one for me, but I think Julian Acora is who I'd go with. I do too. I think he's going to have more sacks. Um, maybe not as much uh, playing time. They're, they're kind of a rotation, but He's the guy that has really uh, been able to get after the quarterback. And with him putting together a full season, I mean, he kind of dropped off. Or he, he didn't have a complete season last year. Yeah. And I think this is year he can. And Well, the majority went with Dalen Hayes. 54% Dalen Hayes, 46% Julian Okora. And we'll just do a couple more here. Uh, most tackles, Drew Tranquil or Tavon Coney. I'm going with the best player. Drew Tranquil might be all over the place and might be uh, incredibly 
I don't know, motivational or motivational or exciting as a as a player and getting guys pumped up. But the best player is Tavon Coney. That that was a little tough. That one was I could go either way on that, but I I would agree. I I think I'd go with Coney. And sixty three percent went with Coney, thirty seven percent with Drew Tranquil. All right, because our internet is just it's really tough to pull up these results here. I guess we're just gonna have to go uh, and and leave I'm it at to that think for right now. Other, yeah. All right, Michigan, Notre Dame. Brian Kelly's press conference from early earlier today. My waning confidence in the <laughs> Irish. Um, they kind of start out the press conference talking about living on Diamond Lake, which Brian Kelly clearly does. That's where the players have uh, spent their weekend during camp, you know, just kind of get away. And then uh, Greg Masson from Michigan also lives there on the lake. And uh, he, Brian Kelly was asked, you know, does does he actually live on the lake? And Brian Kelly said he's not going to. Uh, how did he say? He's not gonna um, confirm or confirm deny or that. deny, but there is a boat that drives past his house all the time that playing the Michigan fight song, and it's rumored to be Craig Madison. So, but he frankly said related, that, yeah, his family, yeah. But frankly said that he won't confirm or deny about his house being on yeah. the lake, which, but clearly he <laughs> did. Clearly. So. <laughs> anyway, uh. Let's start with this, Randall. We'll go through the different position groups then, things that stand out, things that um, are of note. But why – give me one reason, the the main reason that Notre Dame will win on Saturday. Uh, because they're able to move the ball on the ground. And you think – so you're pretty sure that is going to happen? Well, I'm saying that's what it's going to take. That's what they'll have to do. If they are moving the ball on the ground, the running game is doing good, they will for sure win the game. All right. And I'm going to tell you, there's no way Notre Dame moves the ball on the ground. Man, you're you're just a Debbie Downer today. I, I just I, I do think they'll have I, – I totally agree. I'm saying I think they'll have a very hard time moving the ball. I'm just saying that's what – if, if they, they if can they do, do that, if, they will win the game. Oh, I do agree with you there. If Notre Dame is able to, to run the ball with success, then I agree. Notre Dame's going to win the game. Yeah. Um, my number one reason that Notre Dame wins this game is because they're going to force turnovers against Michigan. And it's going to have to come from all, all levels of the defense. You know, the, the defensive line getting pressure, the linebackers um, hitting the quarterback the defensive backs, making plays on the ball. That's my turnovers for the Irish. And and I think Michigan is going to be susceptible to turning the ball over a lot. And I was sort of in now with that, with, with the turnovers, as much as the Michigan fans think they have a first-round quarterback, his overall record looks pretty good. But against uh, teams with winning records, not ranked opponents, winning records, he has two touchdowns against five interceptions and uh his yards were at 6.1 yards per play and he's one in five on the road in his two years at Ole Miss so um he does have a tendency at Ole Miss he did have a tendency to turn the ball over against good opponents so 
And then on the flip side, what's the number one reason Notre Dame loses this game? And I'll, I'll go first here. Notre Dame's going to Notre Dame will lose the game because they're not going to be able to make plays in the passing and receiving game, and and I'm putting a lot of this on the receivers. I don't think Notre Dame's receivers are are good enough to 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 break open some big passing plays to to help out Brandon Wimbush. And it's going to those fifty fifty balls. I think that's a big key to this, and they haven't been consistent enough. Aside from a game against uh, a bowl game, they haven't been consistent enough over the last year to really give me a whole lot of confidence in that group. Um, so number one reason our team loses, lack of productivity in the passing game. Because I don't think they're going to get it in the running game. They need it in the passing game. And I, don't, yeah. I don't think they're going to get it in the passing slash receiving game. I think one re- one sign that they would not what would happen if they didn't win the game was not being able to get pressure on the quarterback with this defensive line that Notre Dame has and the very questionable offensive line that Michigan has. Um, if they if they let Shea Patterson and this offense have time to throw the ball or run the ball. They're not going to have success, but I think if they can get pressure on the court, I mean on the other side, if they get pressure on the quarterback, it, it's Notre Dame's game. All right, what? Uh, let, let's just stick with that. As far as the defensive line you mentioned, do you believe Brian Kelly and what he said that this is the deepest rotation that they've had, and the comments from? Uh, Elston a few weeks ago about you know this being the best oh was it the, the defensive line being able to get pressure on the quarterback the best since 2012 and I know some some reports were that this is even better than 2012 and I didn't take his comments as being better than 2012 but being the best since 2012 well no I would say with the rotation it's better than 2012 um yeah, I do think that is much better than it has been in the past just because they finally have some depth. It's like you look at who the backup guys or the rotation guys are on the defensive line, and we're talking about Aquara leading, getting more sacks than the starter, and he's he's second string technically. I mean, he's rotation guy basically. He'll come in on their but third down rush situations. He's not the starter. Yeah. We're talking about guys on the second team that – are going to have a huge, huge impact in the game. And that has not been the issue. That has not been something we talked about before. Usually we're wondering if the first team can get do anything against the opposing offense. Um, so I do think uh, with the changes they made, you know, with Jerry Tillery and John Bonner switching, you know, and talking about Bonner, uh, he said last week that he actually played all last season with a broken hand wrist. And, uh, he was going up, he was starting games, and he was going up against Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson in practice. And uh, I guess he hadn't, it might have happened, in, I think it happened in the spring, and he went through all the off season, through Bayless's program, lifting and whatever, with a broken wrist. They, it hadn't showed up, and then when he had an issue with his elbow, they were like, there's nothing wrong with your elbow, your wrist is broken. So they took care of that, and he kept playing with that broken wrist. I think he found out, was it four or five games in that he had a broken wrist and he kept playing like that? Broken hand. Broken hand. And he... Or sorry. I thought... 
<laughs> I thought you said elbow. Oh, no, was, no, no. Yes, you're right. Wrist. Um, yeah, with his broken wrist, and he's going up against guys in practice as well, and now he says he's 100%. Uh, he feels like he has another appendage, he said. I mean, <laughs> he feels like he's... So you have that, and then at each defensive end position, you've got a rotation and guys that can make an impact. And so, yes, this is by far one of the, the best, I would say the best defensive group, defensive line group that Brian Kelly's had at Notre Dame. And I agree with you. Completely agree. And this is why Notre Dame is going to be better in November than they have been the past several years where yeah. we've seen a drop-off. This depth on the defensive line is going to show up later in this season. Yeah. Not necessarily guaranteeing better win percentage, but they'll be – they won't get wore down like they have been. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sticking on the defensive unit, um, linebackers, we kind of did touch a little – we talked a little bit about – in the predictions, preseason predictions, as far as Tranquil and Coney, um, Brian Kelly was asked about Shane Simon playing, and I took his. He talked a lot about and uh, liking the experience that they've got. So I don't, I don't think we're going to see Shane Simon play. He said maybe, he'll be ready special, to go. Maybe on special teams, but I don't think he's going to play against Michigan. Well, yeah, I would agree with you. Um, because Michigan has some good tight ends. The one is actually Son, uh, Sean McKetch is actually six foot eight, two hundred sixty pound, two hundred sixty two pounds. So you're gonna need a guy like Bilal in there. I mean, he's he's plays that position when they go up against big tight ends. Once they spread it out a little more, then you've got guys, you know, possibly another cornerback or safety coming in to play that position. And with as big of a game as this is, it's unless Notre Dame has a good lead, it's going to be hard just to bring out a true freshman with his first playing time under the lights at Notre Dame against Michigan. Um, they've got, I think they, there's too much other experienced guys on the, his, what he can do isn't better than what those other guys can do. You can take a little, I would rather take a risk with, you know, if Bilal comes out, you know, taking in, you know, Sean Crawford or, you know, some of the other guys that have experience um, covering guys. But I, I I think Bilal will get a lot of playing time with these big tight ends from Michigan. And it will be interesting to see how Michigan, how their offense looks. Yeah. I mean, this is no Harbaugh. I mean, we remember Harbaugh very clearly, you know, in this from the Stanford days. and But now with uh, – their new offense they're implementing, it's going to be different. Yeah, but, but and, guess... they're, and they're switching it up to fit Shea Patterson's style of play. So this isn't even, from what it sounds like, they're not even playing offense that, they're not playing Jim Harbaugh's offense. No. They're playing more of an offense for Shea Patterson, which usually puts up a red flag. I'd be well, worried if I was Michigan. Some to a, to a degree, but let's not forget how... Brian Van Gorder tried to pigeonhole players to fit his defense. There is yeah. balance. You need yeah. to play to the player's strength, but usually a, a, a coach has a philosophy, uh, and usually it's a good idea to you know, go kind with your philosophy with and stick with your belief as a coach than just to yeah. whimsically change things up. Yeah, And I would kind of liken that to maybe what Charlie Weiss tried to do with, uh, oh my goodness, Demetrius 
Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. A few years ago. Or Jones, Demetrius Jones. Jones, I mean, yes. Not, yes. Um, yeah. Well, Brian Kelly, we talked about it a little more when we get into the quarterbacks. Brian Kelly kind of talked about that with Notre Dame's quarterbacks. So. Uh, defensive backs, um, cornerbacks. We'll finally get to see Troy Pride. Is he all that he's cracked up to be? The Yeah, exactly. That That's one my big question is to see how much he's improved. I mean, it sounds like he has taken leaps and bounds towards being a better player, and I'm sure he has, but is it? There's some pretty lofty expectation for him. And he's going to have a challenge against Michigan. Now, I feel bad for Tariq Black, but it's good for Notre Dame. One of Notre, or, uh, Michigan's top receivers, Tariq Black, who Notre Dame actually recruited, um, went down with a foot injury uh, just this past weekend. And so he will be out for the Notre Dame game. And uh, that is a huge blow for Michigan because he was one of their – He's one of the top two wide receivers. I don't know if he was number one, number two, but he was up there. He had the potential to be the number one guy. Uh, they still have uh, Zach Gentry, which is actually uh, – he had been recruited as a quarterback to Michigan, but he is playing wide receiver, did last year, and he averaged seventeen over 17 yards of catch last year. So, And they have these tight ends. They have quite a few good tight ends. And so we're going to find out very quickly uh, where Troy Pride is in his uh, – Coverage skills. Yeah. So. Safeties. And we'll finally get to see you know, the whole safety situation. Do you do you expect it to be a heavy rotation, or do you expect to see um, Coleman and Gilman back there, you know, for 90% of the snaps? I think they'll be back there quite a bit, but I could see Elliot get in there. Um yeah, it, it's tough to tell. It, what would be nice to see is them come out and get some interceptions right away after no interception in the safety position last year. Or the year before, too, right? Let's uh, No, I think they had one the year before. Was okay? Um, but let's – I I still remember the Michigan game, Manti Te was – was that 2012? They had five interceptions by halftime, I believe. I would love was it to really five? Man, I, I would I love remember. to see something like that again. I, I could even settle for three. I could even go with three, but um, I would like nothing better than to see one of these safeties get a get an interception in the first game against Michigan, just to kind of get that whole interception thing off their back. And uh, yeah, all right. Switching over to the offensive position, let's start with the offensive line. There's you know. There's definitely experience there. There's familiar faces there, but this is not the offensive line that we saw last year, which is a big reason that I don't think the running game is going to be close to as explosive or imposing as it was last year. And obviously, Notre Dame doesn't have Josh Adams back there either. That is still getting figured out, in my opinion. Tony Jones Jr., I don't think he's the answer. Um, It sounds like Jafar Armstrong is closer to being that number one guy than we all thought mm-hmm. a month ago. But often, yeah, what, what do you think? Offensive line, are you? Well, everybody, that's obviously a big one, and I think that's part of the reason that Notre Dame is overlooked into this Michigan game because, you know, when they look at Notre Dame, they say, oh, they lost two first round, top ten offensive linemen. They lost their Heisman contender running back. 
Um, they lost one of their top, they lost their number one receiver. So that's, I think that is why Notre Dame is kind of overlooked in this game as more is the underdog, which I think it actually switched since the Tariq Black injury. Notre Dame is favored again. They're favored by one point. Not much, no. but um, I think there's going to be a drop with the offensive line, but I don't think it'll be as drastic as what everybody's scared of. It, it's very scary because it's uh, it's unproven, but Notre Dame has clearly done a very good job with the offensive line and recruiting in the past, and they continue to put out first round draft picks. You know, especially at left tackle. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's going to be a drop off for sure, but I don't think it's quite as drastic as what we're all worried about. Because you just think two top ten picks, and you're like, oh, no, now what? Well, those guys could be – these backups could have been third-round picks, but they couldn't get on the field because the other guys were top ten picks. And you know what I mean? Like I'm, it just I'm not going like, to start uh, yelling that the sky is falling when Notre Dame only rushes for 100 yards. Yeah, because you can't after this game. Th- this is this is a, a very good defense by all appearances. Yeah. When I keep thinking about this game, I imagine Georgia last year, basically. But Robert Hainsey is back uh, 100% healthy. Uh, He's ready to go, so he's back in the starting rotation. So they got all their starters out there, and uh, we'll find out um, what this offensive line can do. One, you know, the big question is, how are they going to hold up against Rashawn Gary? Well, Liam Eichenberg, the left tackle, actually played against him in high school. Won some, lost some, but he knows he's familiar with him. So he knows he's got his work cut out. Um, he kind of knows what he's getting into. I think that is more the issue with Eichenberg seems to be his confidence. Brian Kelly's talked about it. But I think it helps that he – clearly when you played against somebody before, you know what you're getting into. You're not going into the unknown. So I think that will help boost his confidence a little bit going into Saturday's game. It's uh, Yeah. Even – even last year, with one of those top ten offensive linemen that was drafted, even he made a crucial mistake at the end of the game. So th- these guys are yeah. they're going to get blown up some. They're going to definitely look bad at times. Um, but let's let's wait a few games to yeah. start call it or start judging too too harshly about this unit as a whole. Yeah. Even though I'm the yeah, we'll leave it at that. Don't yeah. Uh, running backs. So we kind of touched on that a little bit. Uh, Brian Kelly was asked about Dexter Williams. He said he will be at the game. He'll be dressed and on the sideline, and we'll go from there. I'm not nearly as annoyed this year with Brian Kelly about this kind of situation. Now that I at least know, I, pretty much everyone knows what's going to happen. But there's rumors floating around now that he might play. <laughs> no. So, although that would be the greatest, oh man! Oh, that would That'd be, be great. That'd be hilarious. I I do not think at all that he's going to play, but that would be. I mean, he, here's the thing: he hasn't even been practicing with the first second team. All the media access, and you're not gonna. You don't. It's not that surprise factor. It's not worth that surprise factor. You know, bringing out a guy like that in It's not. It's not worth it. So, he hasn't even been practicing, which with the first and second team. So, yeah. Don't don't even get your hopes up. Um, or I just think it would be more funny than exciting. I, I would yeah. laugh if I would see Dexter Williams get out on the field. 
because the only thing I know we've been duped if that would happen, and that would just be great. The, the only thing I could think of was that you know maybe suppose he had this you know four game suspension. Well, then he rescued a drowning dog this last week, and they decided, hey, him, you know what? You got enough brownie points, you get to play on Saturday. If you would rescue a drowning dog, I would give him an additional four-game suspension. <laughs> uh, All right, uh, let's talk about the receivers. Actually, no, let's talk about tight ends first. Oh, boy. Well, I, I listened to uh, Alizé Mack. Jack Nolan did an interview with Alizé Mack, and he said all the right things. Said this is his year. He knows that this is his year, and uh, it's time. So, uh, I I do feel one with the tight ends. Cole Komet, I feel very good about Cole Komet as a pass catcher. Yes, and with Nick Wisher and Brock Wright, they're blocking. That it's not like Alize Mack. Maybe take some pressure off him as well. But if he's not performing, there's another guy to step in. That. There doesn't seem can produce. To, there doesn't seem to be as much of a talent gap as there has been, where Alize Mack had all had the talent to play and just but, couldn't. But he, when he he didn't uh, perform well, you noticed there was an athletic difference with yeah. with the other guys, and now that gap I think is 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 very marginal. Well, I just feel like you can if Al, Alize Mack drops a pass, you can bring another guy in that's going to produce. It's not like there's going to be a drop off, much of a drop off. So, I feel I feel very good about the tight end position, and we're going to be seeing a lot of those because when Brian Kelly was talking about the wide receiver rotation, he just mentioned that well they're going to do they have three or four tight ends they have two running back sets that they want to use, so maybe my my worry about the wide receiver unit maybe I shouldn't be quite as worried because there are other units that can help in the passing game. Yeah. And they're going to need to. <laughs> no, who knows? Maybe after Saturday, I'll I'll come out and be. I'll look like a fool, because because we Boyk, hope Bo- because we hope. Boykin <laughs> caught a touchdown pass and Chase Claypool ra- caught and ran for 120 yards. Anyway, I don't expect to see. I know there is going to be a rotation, but I I expect to see what Brian Kelly has been saying in this opener. I expect to see a lot of Boykin, Fink, and Chase. And a little, little bit of Michael Young, um, a little Kevin bit of Austin. Kevin Austin. Yeah. Do you kind of agree with that? I think, yeah. I think it's going to – I do. I still think it's going to change as the year goes on. But Brian Kelly in past years when he said, you know, these are the guys that are have experience. I mean, he's been pretty consistent, I feel, with uh, with the wide receivers – and I think one reason you shouldn't be quite as worried about the passing game is because yeah, you got the wide receivers, but you also got the tight ends. Yeah. And when you combine those, you've got a lot of big targets that have been doing very well in practice. And so somebody's going to step up and make some plays. All right. And then lastly, the quarterback. Were you worried, or what? Did, what was your take on Brian Kelly's comments? Uh I wasn't as worried. Everybody just freaked out when he said two, the two quarterbacks. And um, he, I was a little shy. He went on to clarify, you know, what he was saying, that he can bring in Book if he needs to, and it's not he doesn't have an issue with the egos, so he thinks. I have a hard time believing that when it actually comes down to it, 
But he mentioned, you know, it's not going to be the Kaiser Zaire situation where he had one A and one B, where they, you know, each took a series. And he said it's nothing like that. He said clearly, you know, he said Book's never going to run like Wimbush, and Wimbush is not going to spin the ball like Book does. They're just neither one's ever going to do the other one. And so they have different games, and they both know that, you know, if they need some help, they can bring the other guy in. And uh, I was a little shocked that he said Kaiser and Zaire had the same game with the same type of guy. I wouldn't have said that. But anyways. Because you thought Kaiser. And he also, he didn't come out and say it, but Kaiser was not a runner like uh, Zaire was. And he could run. Yeah, Zaire was better. Zaire was a runner. was was borderline running back. And Zaire... He was questionable. He had that one game against Texas where he did very, very well in the passing game, but he was not the passer. So you could almost say the same thing. But anyways, I think he also mentioned he didn't say it, but I figured the ego or their that's what I the underlying kind of came into it too. Yes, I think Wimbush and Book are fine working together and helping this team win. I do not think that was a situation with Kaiser and Zaire at all. And I think it, there was a lot of tension with those two quarterbacks. Well, I think they both thought they deserved to be the starter. Yeah. So I don't think – he said Wimbush is clearly the starter, and I think he's right. But, you know, if they do need somebody book to come in and throw the ball, they can. They don't have to change anything. They can bring him in and they'll let him throw the ball. But I, I here's what I say. People are worried about the quarterbacks. Remember this. Yeah, you lost some offense line, but these two quarterbacks help get you – to 10 wins last year. They're, this is a year later. They're both improved. And so why are you worried that they're not going to help you get to 10 wins? I mean, if it's not that, it's not the quarterbacks. It's going to be the offensive line. It's going to be other positions that factor into it. These quarterbacks are both better. Both are better. It's not just whether Wimbush is or not. They're both better. So, yeah, if, if you worry about the quarterback, I think Notre Dame is – in a good position with the quarterbacks. I, I, I'm not, I, yeah, I think. I don't want them to start switching it up. I will, even though Book is see, very that's, good. That's, when they that, start switching it up, it's still going to be hard for me to see that. It feels like you're. As a positive. Here, here's where I disagree no, it's with that you. you get, I get that feeling that when the quarterbacks get switched in a game, it's like, oh, no, the staff has run out of ideas. The last option is to bring another quarterback. Well, it depends on the game situation. You do not win very many of those games. But Brian, Brian Kelly Brian has Kelly, done it. He is the one 20, coach that has done it. 2012, there was a lot of quarterback switching going on. And that's what... Two bowl games. And that's what people kind of refer to. He did in 2012. Golson went in, played his game, and Reese came in, maybe threw one pass, and he helped win a couple of those games. Didn't have to do much, but he came in, and it wasn't like an ego thing. He didn't think he should start the next week. And I think that's what you can do with Book. I, the reason that I think I think it is a good idea to give Book some series is because Brandon Wimbush, I think, gives Notre Dame the best chance of winning. And if he is going to be effective as a passer, he needs to be effective as a runner. And if he runs as much as he needs to to be effective, he will not last an entire season, which is why I am in favor of having Book oh. come in for a couple series, even when the game is not... Even when Brandon Wimbush um, is maybe not struggling, like if, if Brandon Wimbush is clicking, I would definitely keep him in there. But if, if there seems to be a little bit of a plateau, a little bit, um, it, then then bring in bring in Ian Book and give uh, Brandon a, a series break. Just to Lamar take, Jackson can do it. Cam Newton can do it. Do what? Run, last run, run season. all year and last the whole year. 
Just I I know what you're saying. I I just had to point that out. No, I I agree. I see. Brandon didn't. Brandon didn't last last year. November is a question. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. He didn't. So, (sighs) but I do agree with you. Both these quarterbacks are better, and I do think both of them can help Notre Dame win. I, I just think Brandon gives them the best chance of winning as long as he plays well. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. need to play up to his, what I think his potential is, but he does need to play well. Yeah. Okay. Well, Randall. You want my prediction? We're getting close to the end of this episode. And by the way, there is a chance of rain Saturday, so. A chance of thunderstorm. Yeah. Earlier it said it was going to end before the game, right? About the time the game started, then it showed a little bit later, but not a very high percentage, so hopefully it all changes by Saturday. That will completely change the game. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Randall. How do you expect this game to go? What are some of the the ebbs and flows you expect to see? And then what is your score prediction? Well, I think both teams have a very, very good defense, and it's going to be slugfest it's going to be like like i mentioned earlier it's going to be like the george game going to look kind of like that just not a lot of movement on offense um for both teams uh it's going to be hard to do running will be hard every yard you get will be fought for um and i i have been going back and forth i'm like I feel really good about Notre Dame there. I'm like, why am I actually that confident about it or why am I not? And it's hard to tell with the first, with it being the first game of the year and not knowing how the, either team has played. But Michigan has some things against. This, this is where I go in Notre Dame's favor, where I decide, you know what, Notre Dame is going to win this game. Michigan, or Harbaugh is 1-5 against Michigan State and Ohio State, which is not, those are the two, big rivals for him and Notre Dame is a big rival for Michigan as well and he has a hard time with those games but the biggest thing is Michigan this goes back to before Harbaugh day as well has lost 16 straight games against ranked opponents on the road for the the last four have been with Harbaugh they have not been able to win against ranked teams on the road and I think some of the reason that, you know, the favor is Michigan sometimes because Notre Dame is not that intimidating of a place or hasn't been in the past, but I think it's becoming more of an intimidating place. Um, with the stadium upgrades, the noise, the sound, the jumbotron, the and it's jerseys. supposed to be a green out. Or not jerseys, we'll but see the green. How that, we'll see how that turns out. The green shirts. But they're doing much better at making this an intimidating place to play. It's at night, and I think that is in Notre Dame's favor. Um and Shea Patterson, yeah, you look at his stats, they're very good if you look at his overall stats, but against winning teams with winning records, they're not that good. And he has struggled and he's not he's not Michigan savior in my opinion. <laughs> I think Wimbush is going to play better than what people expect and I think Notre Dame can come away with the win and a big factor is going to be the kicking with a close game like this. A huge factor in this game is going to be uh Justin Yoon's field goals he's going to have to make his field goals which he made a 62 yarder earlier this week i don't expect him to kick it that from that far and then tyler newsom's punts flipping mm-hmm. the field with tyler newsom's punts i think that is going to be huge in this game and i think notre dame's going to come away with a 27 to 24 win okay i'm gonna i'm gonna start with something that you ended with special teams i think is going to be huge 
throughout this season. Uh, and I think it's going to be a difference maker in a lot of games. And I think it can be the difference maker on Saturday in Notre Dame's favor. They have two very solid, experienced kickers, a uh, punter and a um, field goal kicker. What worries me about this game, there's going to be you know ups and downs, ebbs and flows. You have to roll with the punches. What, what worries me is Brandon Wimbush getting out of sync early and not being able to get back in a rhythm. And and that is concerning because um, that can just give Michigan momentum, pin their ears back. I don't think it's going to be the same thing that, that happened at Miami. That was at Miami. Very different environment, obviously a hostile environment. But it does worry me, Notre Dame not getting a quick start. What this comes down to, in my opinion is what Notre Dame can't do and what Notre Dame is not going to be able to do. What they can't do, I think, is have a efficient, effective running game. Don't give up on the run. Run the football. You need to run it. But Notre Dame is not going to be able to win this game by running the football. It needs to be won in the passing game. And I don't think, forget the quarterback, I don't think Notre Dame has the receivers that can make this happen. And prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. I want to be proven wrong. But I don't think they, they're they going to be able to make the plays needed. 50-50 balls are going to need to be in Notre Dame's favor. And if it if those 50-50 balls are 60-40, or, even, or definitely if they're 75-25, but even if they're 60-40, I do think Notre Dame has a really good chance at winning this football game. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Lee Corso is going to pick Notre Dame, and I'm picking Michigan 21-18. Oh, Ruben. Okay. I'm so, I, I still think this, is, I think this is a very good team, but I think it's going to take time for them to be able to um, – to develop in the the receiving slash passing game, yeah. Well, both teams are going to be have to be doing it. Remember that both teams are going to be have are going to have to do that. Yeah. Um, I didn't mention either. I think this is actually a rivalry that Notre Dame players are. They look at it as a rivalry. There's a lot of players from Michigan. Uh, Alex Barr's brother brother played at Michigan. Um, and they've been looking at this all summer. Brian Kelly's talked about it. So I don't think this is, you know, we always talk about USC. Uh, they don't get excited about it. I think they are ready and pumped for this game and going in there with a lot of confidence. So, All right, that's all we've got. You can definitely tweet out your score prediction on Saturday. Reply to our tweet. And if you are I'll put it on winner, Instagram as well. Okay, and we'll cross-reference. You don't need to do it both places, but we'll find the closest person. And if you're the winner... And we will be sending you a pound of coffee from Main Street Roasters, MainStreetRoasters.com, and an Irish Sports Talk mug. If you have questions and want to talk about the game, head on over to forums.irishsportstalk.net. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and be sure to have a good Saturday. If it's raining, stay indoors. No, I don't know. Good <laughs> you can go outside. Saturday. Uh, are you going to be catching any games this weekend, Randall? Obviously. I'm gonna to try to, but I want to go up to Notre. I'm be up there for game day and the fun up there. So uh, we're having our fantasy football draft night, and so that's on Thursday. So I'm planning on catching a little bit of college football on Thursday night. I 
kind of like to catch, you know, Stanford often plays on Thursday or Friday, and uh, they're playing Thursday night, so I'm, I'll probably catch that game. Stanford is playing San Diego State, which probably won't be a close game, but get a get a peek at one of Notre Dame's opponents. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. And if you enjoy this podcast, head on over to iTunes uh, or on the podcasting app if you are on Apple, uh, and leave a review if you enjoy the podcast. Leave your feedback if you have ideas how we can make the podcast better. We always enjoy uh, that and trying to improve the podcast in whatever way we can. Anyway, thank you guys for listening, and until next time, go Irish. Go Irish. Easy parking with Easy Trip, now available at Dundrum Town Centre. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.